Are you a self-published author needing more sales? Let's talk about momentum advertising for authors. If you'd rather be writing your next book instead of taking marketing classes, or roping your cousin's girlfriend into handling your social media ads, get Community Authors' latest service. They do all the work to get your book noticed. Find out more on their weekly information sessions that are free if you go to their website, communityauthors.com. I'm telling you, this exclusive program is a great opportunity. Their clients are really partners at Momentum Advertising for Authors, so be sure to tell them that Christy and Kathy from GOB sent you. Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Quirks and Conversation with Katie Letary. Yes, Kathy, her book, Dark Things I Adore, right is here. so good. <laughs> I know, I know. It's as the title says, it's a dark story, but we can adore. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It is set in Maine, where she lives, and I love Maine. But I know you have a favorite author also from Maine, Christy. Oh, yeah, possibly. I don't know. Stephen King. <laughs> Maybe they're neighbors. I don't know. Anyway, before we get started on asking her that, let me let you know a little more about her. So Katie Letary holds degrees from University of Maine and the University of Notre Dame. Her first novel, American Vaudeville, was a semifinalist in Sabido Press's annual fiction contest. So that's good. Her debut thriller, Dark Things I Adore, came out last September to rave reviews. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, the New York Times Book Review calls it a spider web of revenge, whose careful and sinewy plotting revealing in chilling detail who gets to make art and who gets subsumed in the process. Ooh, that just gave so me creepy. chills. <laughs> I know. And um, I, I really like this other one from the Library Journal, which was a starred review. This vengeful tale that pits artistic genius against mental health and happiness will captivate fans of dark suspense. I think that really sums it up. And Katie, who was born in Brooklyn, New York, now lives in Maine and has lived there most of her life. And she lives in Bangor mm -hmm. with her husband, Kevin, and their cat, Alex. So Katie, it's so nice to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so psyched to be here. Oh, good. Yes. So we're so excited to get into this fantastic book that's been out for like six months, maybe now, yeah. like we're half, half in halfway into your debut year. Mm -hmm. And, um, but let's start with the wine and so we can cheers to your book. Oh, so sure. Drinking a Moscato today. Look at that. <laughs> it has a very pretty label. It's really beautiful. Like it. Okay. I'm not going to do as well on the Italian as Christy would. <laughs> you always do better. At I gave, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just perfect. Sure. <laughs> Stello del Poggio, Poggio. What do you guys think? 
Moscato. I would I say think... Castello del Poggio, right? Yes, I, that, that sounds, that sounds yeah. Yeah, okay. I think. And um, you almost got it there, Kathy. Yeah, you right, did. almost. Okay, so it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> just not my strength. Let's have a little sip. Um, it is perfectly ripe grapes that highlight the bright fruit expression of this delightful Moscato, beloved for its notes of fresh orange blossom flower, white peach, and honey that leads to a crisp, lingering finish. <laughs> It's sweet. It's sweet. It is. Yeah. Very sweet. It's a little bubbly too. I did. I was yes. surprised to see that. I did. Yeah. Love our, the... our, um, our producer slash sound editor, Connor would love it. So he loves, a, he loves a sweet wine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love the orange, the fresh orange blossom flower. I don't think I ever remember hearing that in any other description. Yeah, I know. It should be made in Florida, not Italy. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, they have a lot of oranges in to Italy. To Katie. Cheers. Cheers to you and your lovely, scary book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, you know, and honestly, um, before we heard from you and you chose this Moscato, yeah. I thought for sure from reading the book that it was going to be like this dark, Pinot Noir. <laughs> I know. Because I mean, they were drinking red wine. It was flying in places. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's, mm. she's, you know, but I, but I'm glad because it's spring, you know, this is a spring wine. Right. And like, yeah. spoiler alert, Moscato was like the first wine I ever got like day drunk on in grad school. Oh, perfect then. Like with all my writer friends. So I feel like <laughs> it, it has that kind of nostalgia for me too. Perfect. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. It does seem like, a, like, yeah, because it's almost like it doesn't even almost. I mean, it tastes like like a soda almost. Like, doesn't yeah. it? Like, it's mm. super sweet. It's like a juice, and I it's have very drink. Honestly, the palate of like a child and heartburn. So I like limit my alcohol intake, and, heartburn. and I, I I like stick to like sweet, easy things like this. Yeah, it goes down oh, quick, awesome. right? Yeah, it goes down very easily. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let me get a little bit, Let's let me in. tell a little bit yeah. about the book um, and we'll hold it up here. Yeah, we'll hold yeah. it up. Um, really oh. cool cover. Dark. <laughs> it's so nice to see it in multiple places at the same time. It's still, yeah. it's still such a treat. Yeah, yeah. it's honestly I, still such a treat. I bet it yeah. is. And by the way, this cover is beautiful. It's so good. I mean, had you, I know you, you um, had a few different titles, I think along the way yeah. I read. But did you ever imagine that like this and it fits it really, really well? It really does. You know, it's really funny. I feel like I have a pretty good mind for like, you know, sort of visual writing, but mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm very, I don't have a strong mind for like actually making visuals. If that makes any sense. <laughs> so I, you know, I had no real input. I was like, I don't know. I just don't have a vision. I don't, I never have. I just, yeah. it's not my strong suit. And so when they came to me, with this, I was like, oh, you nailed it. Like, of course, like it's looking up through the branches of a tree. It's sort of yeah. dark on the edges. Yeah. It has the yellow pops of color. I was like, you guys are geniuses. This is why yeah. you do what you do. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so in this book, the plot line kind of goes between 1988 and then 30 years forward, 2018, which right. is what we'll call now. Right. Um, it's I you know I don't no spoilers or anything like that but um if there's a the story from back in the olden days connects to the new one and but the one in the olden days is so 
and I say olden days lightly because, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, they were probably younger than me, but the, <laughs> they, you know, you want to know that story and it's got all kinds of intrigue and then you mm -hmm. jump forward and now it's a whole nother layer of intrigue and you're trying to figure out how they're connected. You know, they're connected. Right. It, it's, I mean, I'm amazed. I got to say that <laughs> you, how well you did that, how well you made this intricate, jumping from time to time and just the right amount in each time so that you know you still want more of the other one but you still want to see what's going to happen in the new one because you know you you hate it when one story is the more interesting one or something right. like that so kudos about that oh, and <laughs> and kind of tell us a little bit about the process like i mean how hard was that to do, mm. do or was it something that came naturally or did you like plan it out with you know, boards everywhere or how did it? Right. So there's actually a pretty good story behind how that all came to be that caused a lot of um, writerly angst on my part. <laughs> but basically, right. So the story is, uh, you know, we're following the story of Cold, uh, Audra Colfax, who's this like a very talented painter getting her degree from the Boston Institute for the Visual Arts. And she's being mentored by her professor, Max Durant. And um, this is in the present day timeline and good names, by the way. Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> and um, and so she invites Max up to her re sort of remote main home uh, one weekend to view her sort of final thesis collection. And he thinks he's going up there because he senses this sort of chemistry between them, this sort of sexual energy. But Audra has much different, much darker mm -hmm. kind of plans in store for him. He just doesn't know that yet. And then we get this storyline from the, eight, the late 80s. Um, and you start to see, yes, that this, this storyline that's happening at this sort of uh, arts camp set in Maine, this kind of eclectic arts camp, um, where real, kind of really um, dark and um, troubling things are starting to happen among the camp, the campers there, um, has a real impact on what happens in the, in the present. And as the book rolls on, those things kind of dovetail until uh, a pretty um, catastrophic conclusion for us, at least one of the characters. Um, and so one of the interesting things that happened when I was writing this book is when, when, I, when I pitched it, when I, you know, when I got an agent with it, and when I uh, sold it to Sourcebooks, the the arts camp storyline did not exist. <laughs> did oh, not oh, exist. Wow. It was just all in the present. Mm. There were other subplots and other storylines. At one point, Max had a wife who we had to get rid of because it didn't fit in with what we were trying to do. Oh wow! And one I had mentioned an arts camp in like an like a throwaway line uh, in the book, and my editor was like, "Hey." <laughs> you talk about this arts game. It sounds really interesting. What if you like took us there? And I was like, what now? Um, <laughs> Sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, I was like really frightened. But the more I thought about it, I was like, ooh, this could be really interesting. And it turned out she was 100% right. And I'm wow. super glad she suggested it. But it did mean like writing, I don't know, 20, 25,000 new words, cutting 20, 25,000 other words. Um, so this was sort of the experience of just even getting to that structure. I didn't, didn't even have it in my head that it would be a past present dovetail structure. We got to that decision as a team um, when we were into the editing phase. And then once that did start to happen, I, I, I wrote the entire arts camp 1980s thing in a separate document all in, in one document. I didn't try to fit it in. You know, I just wrote mm -hmm. the story and then afterward figured out where to cut it 
insert things like that so it did it started out being a pretty uh i'm a fairly loosey-goosey writer i don't do a lot of planning and then of course when this happened i literally had to set up like a um google sheet database to be like this happens here this happens here this happens here it's color code it was very complicated it was really uh challenging but it was worth it and i'm really glad she pushed me to explore that storyline i now i'm having a hard time thinking back now to the book about trying to take that out and imagine other threads because i can't imagine right the story without it i just can't even oh i'm fathom. so glad to hear that that's yeah. great to hear i <laughs> yeah it's like and that's probably why they both are so strong because you wrote them kind of separately and then put them together and i gotta say that sounds like a real testament to your skill as a writer which the actual written word you know is we're talking about the storyline which is really cool but the actual written word is so good and i can't imagine like we know from talking to however many writers we can't imagine that you would get a agent and then have to redo so much of the book so it's obvious they had a lot of trust in you as just a writer rather than saying okay this story doesn't work you know right I mean I think you know and this is my first you know commercial novel where I've gone through any of that process and I looking back on it now I'm like yeah you're 100 percent right I think at the time I was like oh like maybe this is like what happens and I think to a certain extent that's true mm-hmm. and then I realized like oh I was super lucky uh that um my agent loved it the way it was enough to sort of want to take yeah. it on and then that source books loved it enough the way it was to want to take it on and then in the process of really thinking about it and mm. figuring out what's extraneous what's not really supporting the thrust of what's going on what's distracting and honing in on this idea of breaking it up via a, sort of a time vehicle right and sort of opening giving it some air to breathe where we're not in the sort of closed cloistered cat and mouse of Max and Audra but we're in this bigger sort of wider world in the woods with these young people I think it it was huge it was a huge idea for my editor MJ Johnson to have come up with and for me to just tell her to you know she basically was like explore that see if you can sort of do something with that and then you know we figured it out and I was thankfully I think able to pull it off oh, yeah. yeah and um but it I was very fortunate I think you're wow. exactly right to have sort of the faith that they gave me <laughs> so so I'm so now I'm trying to I'm kind of trying to undo my my reading now trying to think about this which is <laughs> yeah. really really kind of a fun experience but so um Max and Audra were definitely originally there yeah where did they come from that the art the student the professor where did that storyline come from yeah so when the sort of initial genesis of this story was it was sort of an actually started in an opposite frame of mind and which I'll explain meaning that when I first was drafting the story it was there was a professor on the coast of Maine who was an art professor who was luring a student to their home and what we were going to find and this was going to be a great experience for the student to get to see this artist like in in their workspace in their studio and blah 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 and what you found out through the course of that story was that um, the professor sort of needed grisly things to happen to become uh, inspired and it would show up in the work itself. And so there's a version of that kind of still here, but it's now the, I, I, the I think it's the reverse. And <laughs> yeah. I had, you know, I, in that situation, the professor was still male and the other character was still female. And I thought, ooh, I would love to write a story where 
uh, the woman is in charge and is the one doing the revenge and doing the violence and leading. Um, I think there's a lot of books where, and these, these thrillers are so compelling and I'm obsessed with them, but there's a lot of stories where um, sort of the, the protagonist who happens to be female is kind of always on her back feet and, sh- and the work of the mm-hmm. book is for her to figure out am I losing my mind? What's going on? How can mm-hmm, I get right. out of this situation? She's the one scrabbling and scraping yeah. and trying to figure things out. And I was like, Ooh, I would like to reverse that and have it be that she's like laser focused, cold, <laughs> like she knows what she's doing. Um, and that the the guy is in the position of being kind of freaked well, out. Well, it works. Scrabbling. I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. I love that because, you know, I think, um, you know, as writers are told, right, like what the first, right, 10 ideas you have throw them away and keep digging and that's where you find the good stuff and so i can see where you know it's we we hear about you know um men professors like in that role and women you know coming that but you had to get rid of that to get to the good stuff which is so cool yeah another thing i was thinking you know they always say write what you know okay now obviously we're writing thrillers so that's not going to be exactly what we know unless we're in jail or something (laughs) but um (laughs) you wrote so well and so descriptive about art and Mm. colors and everything like that and then here at the beginning of this podcast you said oh i'm not really that visual and I'm like, what? So, so where did that come from? All of a sudden, I mean, you must be visual in your dreams. I think. I think the difference is, is that I think I, I, um, I think I can process visuals really well. I'm not great at creating actual visuals. Like oh, a that's painting, really well a drawing. That makes sense to me. Okay, I and know that. and I have found over the years too that I have like a touch of synesthesia you know where synesthesia is mm-hmm. where um mm-hmm. your senses cross right and so you can smell something but it reminds you of a taste and etc yeah and i have always had a little bit of this like the first this is gonna be such a dated reference but this is like the first time it occurred to me that i was like oh i this this there's something going on here but i was a kid and i was listening there was a phil collins song on and i was like oh it sounds he sounds so lemony He's so lemony sounding to me and this has kind of always been a thing and there's a professor it's a lot of with sound i noticed but uh, and then there was a professor in college who sounded like like smoked sausage to me he was like this upstate new york (laughs) kind of gruff sounding guy and he's like a smoked sausage this guy and uh, so there's been all these kind of little things like that where I, i think i'm very connected in terms of visuals and and senses but i can't actually like do them like visuals very well but i think my well you my do the writing part language well. right exactly <laughs> that was really interesting i always i um i had a friend who would see colors or i'm sorry numbers as colors yes. five is orange That's always really fascinating yeah too. i think it's so cool yeah i love that stuff yeah. i love talking about that kind of stuff if you're like us and enjoy a glass of wine nakedwines.com should be your next online stop you don't have to get naked but you can get six bottles of wine, red, white, or a mix, for only $34.99 plus free shipping. That's a savings of $90. Or you could get naked. Either way, <laughs> go to our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, for a coupon code. It's that easy. No commitments, no membership fees, just wine shipped to you direct from independent winemakers with a 100% refund guarantee. Go to gameofbookspodcast.com for the coupon code. Okay, let's have a drink and and get to our midway question. 
So at this point, um, we always ask the authors who join us a question in the bottle. It's kind of a question you might come up with at the end of a bottle. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this one. <laughs> if you had to get a tattoo today, what would you get? Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, okay. So I don't Sausage. have any tattoos. I'll start with that. Do you guys have any tattoos? I don't have any. Do you have any? I do not at this. I do not point. either. None of Maybe them. later today. Which, which is interesting because I think I think this conversation was had ten years ago. Our reactions wouldn't be unusual, but now I think it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's so common. It's a very so common, common body yeah. modification art thing right now. Yeah. So yeah. I think I've always been really dry. I love punctuation. Like I just love the art, the art, the like the the form of punctuation, and so I think I might get something that was punctuation, like a semicolon or a parentheses or something like that, because I just love the forms yeah. of them. Or an ellipse, wouldn't an ellipse be cool? Oh, an ellipse would be great. Yeah, <laughs> all of these sorts of things I'd be very into. You guys are such nerds. I know I we know. are like skull and crossbones. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like a big heart with mom in it, like very yeah. classic. Yeah. <laughs> I have a daughter who's been wanting me to get her like a get joint tattoos with her, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm just not there, but I might tell her if I can get an ellipse, I will. <laughs> right? That's, just like a little so like she'll be like ellipse no. somewhere. No, <laughs> I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking doing things like from locations, like mm. you know. oh, that's cool. I don't remember if, what locations are anymore. I can't remember. Yeah. What is that? Because when we were we were talking, you know, a few years ago, planning a trip to Ireland, which is still being planned. Um, I was like, oh, I'll get a four leaf clover, you know, or something yeah. like that, mm -hmm. you know, sort of a little bit to the whatever one forty percent of me that's Irish heritage or something. <laughs> I thought you were like talking about get them all over. I was like, mm. oh yeah, all over my face. <laughs> Yeah, that'll do good. Yeah, for my generation. Yeah, I'll be. A, <laughs> that is a really good answer, actually. I think you might want to reconsider, Katie, and get yourself some Ooh. punctuation. I know. Maybe like I know. The there's still time. Definitely. You can look sure at is. it and go. I I think I can use an ellipse in this story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I um I finished your book this weekend. Mm. I which I loved. Um, it was harder to put down than than keep reading for sure by far. Oh. So. It was very nice. an absolutely enjoyable um, escape. I, this morning though, went and did a deep dive on your blog articles. Mm. And I, as a writer, um, Christine and I are both writers. I have to thank you for documenting your, your <laughs> road to publication. <gasps> I, it was absolutely gripping. I, I read every word of it. Oh, that's and so nice. It was, but it was so educational kind mm. of daunting to be honest i was like a little bit a little bit it was it was like yeah. oh this is i mean that's kind of why we started our thing yeah, we were talking about yes. the road to publication we haven't made it there but no. we just so we're fascinated by this it feels so yeah. mysterious and it, every it, i know it's every maddening. story is so different <laughs> Um, so I wanted to thank you for that, but I also wanted to ask why you thought that was so important to take the time to write that and to share it. Yeah. So I think I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think every writer feels this way that there mm -hmm. seems to be for some reason that is unclear to me, a bit of mystery, a bit mm -hmm. of like obfuscation mm -hmm. around publishing the business of it, certainly money 
and I don't know why in the sense that it is it is just a business it is just an industry like any Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. Um, but there's there's a weird sort of like shame or or something around like talking about these things in very real terms Mm -hmm. and then on top of that there's a bit of a mystery about like oh don't share like the trade secrets like as if someone being successful whatever that means getting an agent getting a pub getting published means that there's one less seat at the table and if you tell them how you did it you, you're going to get bumped off the table and they're going to take your place which is not true it just doesn't work like it's that. pretty prevalent mm-hmm. in society right now too yeah, <laughs> about tons, everything <laughs> there's tons of books there are tons of agents there are tons of places to get published and tons mm-hmm. of readers a, and tons yeah. of readers of all stripes looking for all different kinds of things mm-hmm. so i just found that when i was sort of on the road to trying to get an agent I, I'm sure just like you was like looking everywhere to be like, there's got to be somebody who has like a blog or just has, has written about this in an essay of like, and you do, you find certain things here and there, mm-hmm. but I was like, I would love to hear <laughs> sort of like what it is really like from soup to nuts. Like, especially for a first time person where it's not like, oh, this is old hat and like I'm already mm-hmm. established and it's just part of how I do my business. Like I'm a, I work full time. This is my first commercial book. This was done, you know, working 40 hours a week and living life and getting through a pandemic, just like everybody else. And I was like, I think a, for the, for other writers, I wanted to document it because I always wanted this myself when I was looking for it. And two, I think like, it was like a good little homework assignment for me to a document it for myself. Cause I'm not really a diary person or a journal person. I don't really do that. And two, to also work through thinking about publishing I think you know writing helps us understand things and I think I was trying to understand it (laughs) along with everybody else and so that's what I that's kind of why I set out to do it Um, and I've gotten really lovely feedback from people very similar who are like oh this is useful because it's just like it's it's sort of honest and like oh that's what happens that's what happens so specific you you were like here's the timeline when I first started querying here's when you had overlap between two potential you know agents or two potential editors talking to you and how you handled that I, I just I really um I appreciated the detail and it was honestly one of the most detailed episodic journal entries <laughs> I've ever read about this. Oh, I'm and, glad. And I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, th- I think also, like you said, I mean, cause I'm not, I'm not real good at the whole journaling diary type yeah. thing. I'm trying to get better, but a lot of times you forget too. Yeah. So when we talk to people, they're like, oh yeah, I, I, yeah. And I did this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if yes. it's them intentionally or just like right. bombarded at the time <laughs> and Okay, that's I think done. It's, I think it's true. I think it would be a yeah. lot. I would think I would have forgotten a lot if I hadn't written it down because mm-hmm. you know it's just life. And 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 mm-hmm. I think the other thing that um I think I convey it's pretty clear in the in the entries, and it has been certainly true in my anecdotal experience, is that publishing, writing, all these things are like huge stretches of nothing, punctuated by like flurries of something. So there's mm-hmm. something where you're not like, it's not like, oh, that's why some of the entries, there's like six months between them, three months between them, because like, there's nothing to tell that would be summarized. In, in, right. I sat you're in my chair about. again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really true that things take a long time. Mm-hmm. Everything takes longer than you think it's going to take. Yeah. And for me, p- part of what took a long time was I went through a lot of rounds of editing and I felt really self-conscious about that. 
um because I know there are writers who go through like oh like yeah I did like one or two rounds with my editor (laughs) and then I was like oh that sounds amazing and then I like got into like oh like maybe I'll be lucky and that'll be me and that was not my situation I had to be like like that's also like kind of like the women who are like I was in labor for two minutes and I looked gorgeous the (laughs) whole time like Yeah, (laughs) we're finding we find more and more and even the the most successful humble authors are like it took me forever i had to like five years and you know just on at least on the first book i mean you Mm -hmm. know obviously you learn along the way but right so now you're you're this debut author and i know on your twitter account you um talked about being a fraud in your debut year <laughs> and so I, I, first of all I it's refreshing yeah, to see that because you it's know like... that imposter syndrome is something that we have heard about mm-hmm. yeah um, you know it doesn't matter if you're debut or best-selling you know and so I mean what do you think about that and is that yeah. just life or is it something specific <laughs> to writing you know that we all yeah think I mean that's a good question I think it's um pretty common in a lot in like a lot of fields like I have people I have friends really close friends who are you know PhDs who are now professors at really great universities and they're like am I like supposed to be here and I'm like yeah like you did all the work you're amazing you're brilliant but of course they're like I don't know like we'll see how this goes and I'm like you you did it you know yeah and but I think it's I think it's it it could be across disciplines and across art Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but I think there is some something perhaps and maybe this is being too you know like I think you know every type of artist thinks that their thing is a little special but I think there is something in writers that is a little I think because for a lot of writers you start writing if you're into writing pretty young and so I think you start thinking like oh this is like a fun thing I do and like it's just for me and it's like a it's a hobby and whatever and then I think when you start to try to professionalize and posit yourself even to yourself as a professional, mm-hmm. um, as somebody, oh, my book is, is it possible that my book is on the same shelf as Stephen King's book? That seems insane. That seems like, <laughs> uh, th- 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 did I print this out at home and staple it together and put it on the shelf? No, but insane. I think anything that's yours feels like not quite as mm-hmm. real as somebody else's, which is a really strange phenomenon. I have found. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what it, that's I'm like about, dying but... to know if like a plumber feels this way. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. like, do you feel bad about your Joyce today? You know, I think that yeah. there's a lot, um, a, a lot also from outside feedback mm-hmm. because people just don't understand what it takes. Yeah. You know, an average person thinks, oh, you know, you just wrote something big deal, you know, got published, whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, what I went yeah. through to get here. And yeah. the fact that a lot of people haven't even succeeded is enough in itself so it makes you like okay well (laughs) how did i get here why did i get here right yeah Yeah. it's true i think it does open up a lot of like potentially complicated questions too about like the marketplace and you know what gets chosen and for what reasons and if there's you know and all those sorts of things that are beyond my pay scale i'm not smart enough to speak on them cogently but like all of those things come to play. So I think if you do find you're somebody who is lucky enough to kind of squeak through, you're like, Ooh, I hope I deserve mm. to be here kind of a little bit. And I think I do for the most part of my good days. I'm like, yeah, like, I think my book is 
pretty good. It's as good as some other stuff that's out there for sure, you know? Yeah. And, and other days I'm like, I, I hope this isn't the best thing I ever do. I hope I have a better book inside of me. I think every artist feels oh, that way that you can true, write the yeah. greatest thing, but then you always hope you're, you, it's not the best thing you ever did. So, but yeah, I think it's, it is, it is super common in artists. And, uh, but I have to say, barring whatever else might happen, any kind of outside feedback, I, I have to say, I feel incredibly proud of this book. I really worked my ass off on this book. I really pushed myself beyond my comfort zones on this book. Um, they worked me. I mean, they editors work you. You think you're a good mm-hmm. writer? They're like, you are. We love you. They they're so sweet, and they're so <laughs> supportive. But then they're like, what about X Y Z? You know, and, and thinking like, about no. this. Right. They <laughs> okay. work you. So I'm like, go oh, ahead. This is the hardest I've ever been worked, and I'm and I'm yeah. better for it. Yeah, I remember we talked to an editor one time, an author who also was an editor, and she was saying mm-hmm. that when you get editorial notes back, you need to take time to mull and like take a Couldn't minute. Couldn't agree more. Oof. And mm-hmm. I, when you had mentioned that, you know, like that, you know, I was like, oh, this is just daunting to have to create a whole thing and yeah. throw away 20,000 words. And yeah, um, so I, it's yeah. So speaking of being on the shelf with Stephen King, is he your neighbor or you run into him? Well, it is I mean, Maine's Maine's a big Uh, place, but it's not that many people, right? Here's the thing I will tell you that is actually pretty funny. Okay. So I live in Bangor, Maine. And Stephen King's like famous red Victorian house with the bat iron iron. is in Bangor, Maine. Mm -hmm. And not only is it in Bangor, Maine, but it happens to be literally three blocks down the street from my house. You're kidding me. So I you are neighbors. I literally am kind of neighbors with Stephen King. <laughs> so this, this is, you never is see his, him out walking or anything. You know, that's more of his like show house that used to be his like real residence for a very long time. And yeah. I think he just got it's because it, even now it, people know that he doesn't really, it's like where his foundation, his and Tabitha's foundation is based out of mostly now these days. Uh, yeah. And so, but you still have people every day pulling up, taking pictures. And, and this is like our, my, my husband's normal, like walking route. And we're just like, oh, oh. Stephen King's house. And, you know, I'm always like, oh St. Stephen, gosh. baby, give me just like half a percentage <laughs> of like whatever Little juju you know, going on. Right. Oh, but yeah. no, it's I definitely like, be like, I live three blocks down. Here's my book. Can you? <laughs> I know. I know. So he, when you walk by, bring copies of your book in case you're I just interested. like keep just leaving them on the kind of throw it over porch. the fence, see what happens. You know? <laughs> But he, they both, Stephen and Tabitha are huge, like very big figures in the state of Maine, not just because they're famous, but because they're very yeah. philanthropic and they're very mm-hmm. lovely people. And um, so it's, it is cool. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't believe I literally live like, you know, yeah, three that, is funny. that is really cool. Really cool. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So we've got one final question for Ooh, you before we yes, go. Yes. Okay. Before, we, before we go, we ask all our authors this foodie question, mm. mm-hmm. um, which will go with your, you know, synesthesia whatever because um (laughs) anyway which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be oh boy (laughs) i'm trying to think who would i really want to sit down across the table (laughs) for any amount of time that's actually a very fair question (laughs) i know right i'm like this is a good one i mean there's food in the book you know there is food in the book i think but nobody's Let's see if I had to, if I was going to sit down across from anybody and share me a break bread, as they say, um, I mean, probably Audra. I just think she's very interesting and cool mm-hmm. and I wouldn't necessarily do the things that Audra does in the book, but I understand where Audra is coming from is what I would say. <laughs> right. Um, so I think Audra and I think, you know, I could see Audra 
and I talking into a good steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what we would a do. Red meat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do, you, do, y'all, do y'all eat moose up there? Moose is big. Venison is big. Um, yeah, all that stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm a very like narrow lame eater, but like that is, that's big stuff up here. Hunting well, Ka- and, Kathy uh, has the, um, the market on, uh, beef out there in South Dakota. Yeah. My family, yeah. Has a, husband's family has a cattle ranch. So yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. I know. Yeah, I, yeah. But the time I visited, I was like, this is amazing. It that's was amazing. Cool. Yeah. yeah that's really cool. Oh okay. So if our <laughs> listeners, when our listeners have questions about you, what's the best way to reach out? Social media, your website? Yeah. My website's a great place because uh, I have a form where you can email me. Um, you can also email me directly uh, at Katie, K A T I E at katielatari.com k-a-t-i-e-l-a-t-t-a-r-i.com um but yeah you can also just go to my website which is katielatari.com and there's all kinds of stuff there and ways to contact me and i'm happy to talk shop or answer Aww. questions or any number of things so yeah anytime That's so awesome well, it has been lovely having you here. Thank you so much for joining yes. us. Thank you guys. We still have a blast. more cheer to do. Yeah, yes. congratulations cheers on this. Thank you guys Ooh. so much. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.